This week on Movie Time Machine, a thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream-sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. This is Inception. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, your retro movie review podcast where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie is Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan, released in the year 2010. But before we dive deeper into our movie of the week, why don't we go around the table and we'll do some introductions. First, I want to introduce you. He loves all things space. Casey. Hey, what up? Up next, he loves all things horror, sometimes survivor. Jamie. Why not survival horror? And he only loves dialogue. Chris, what's up? Hey, guys. And he loves everything. James, how you doing? You can find the good in everything. I mean, there's always <laughs> something to talk about or just be happy with. And this is your Time Machine host, Chad. And I love all things sci-fi fantasy. And welcome to the show. All right, as always, before we get kicked off on our topic of the week, I'd like to go around and ask everyone what they've been watching or playing or anything they want to recommend since the last time we did an episode. So let's start with Casey. Anything you've been watching, playing, or reading lately? Oh, dude, so much. Uh, I will tell this story. I have a bed fiasco that you could hear about. I've been dealing with that. We ordered a new bed. It was bad. So we had to return it and get a new bed. So having to like schedule a bed pickup at the same time as a bed delivery proved to be uh, difficult. But I will let you know that uh, it worked out, and they took the bed away this morning, and we got the new bed uh, this afternoon, so it lined up perfect. Sweet. What can you? Is there a bed recommendation you can make? Because I know finding a, a bed. I don't want to like... slag on it, but we we originally did Sleep Number, and it wasn't really a good fit for us, because um, it's like a half airbed type deal, and we found that if we didn't sleep, you know, directly on your little air pocket, you didn't sleep that great. And yeah. uh, with you know, having a six month old that sometimes comes in bed with us. Uh, you know, sleeping in different positions in different areas of the bed, we would generally wake up kind of sore. Um, so we returned it, and now uh, tonight will be my first night on a Tempur-Pedic. Ah, cool. You have to let me know. That's the uh, memory foam. Yeah, isn't we'll see it? how that okay. goes. Yeah, All right. we were All a right. memory foam people before the sleep numbers, so we I assume that we'll be just just fine with this. Case is that the one in the commercial where there's like a glass of wine at the foot of the bed, and they're like jumping on it, and everything's good. The Tempur-Pedic or the Sleep Number? The Tempur-Pedic. Yes, I think so. I think they were the first ones to do that whole wine glass bit. Gotcha. And this is your third bed option, right? Wasn't the first a waterbed? Yeah, man, but I kept popping it. (laughs) That will happen. (laughs) All right. And this is a mattress time machine going back and reviewing mattresses of all of our... Hashtag not sponsored. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jamie, do you have anything to share with us this week? Well, yeah, so my bed is actually brought to you by um, (laughs) Mattress Firm. My buddy worked there in college, got a discount. That's not a joke. Um, Still have it. Dude, that's where we bought our tempur from. (laughs) It's a good store. Um, But I've actually... Maybe maybe there is a sponsorship deal in the works here. (laughs) Come on, Mattress Firm. We we all get like a 10% discount? (laughs) We'll shill your stuff. (laughs) Uh, i've actually been just watching a lot of playoff hockey um the abs 
stomped the Coyotes, which has been phenomenal. And um, I, I'm actually I'm gonna need recommendations for you guys because my brother, my birthday was in July, and he said he was gonna get me a switch, and I was like, okay, Sean, like very funny, haha. And today a switch arrived on my front porch. I could not believe it. I no thought it was way. pulling my leg. That's yeah, awesome. so sweet. Yeah, so boss brother move. Thank you, Sean. We'll talk recommendations later, guys, because I'm going to need all of them. Cool. Welcome to the club, man. Thanks. <laughs> hey, Chris, what have you been up to lately? I know you've been busy with family. Yeah, now. yeah, we haven't um, haven't watched a ton, um, but I did sneak away um, and get the opportunity. I watched, uh, what was it, A Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Um, which is a French film uh, that came out, I believe it was 2019. Um, yeah, it was super good. I really liked the ending. Um, a little bit, uh, could be a little bit slow at times, but it was super interesting, really uh, shot beautifully. Um, yeah, really, really like beautifully done as far as what the cinematography and the looks of it. Um, but yeah, uh, a really good story and kept you engaged. So I enjoyed it a ton. All right, awesome. Hey, James, what have you been up to? My wife went down the rabbit hole of, like, the gross docuseries stuff that's been on Netflix. So we watched, like, Athlete A um, about, like, the uh, women's gymnastics, like, doctor that was doing inappropriate things with uh, some of the athletes. And then we went and did that Epstein one. Uh, again, just ones we wanted wow. to see but didn't want to watch. And so we don't need to dive into that too much. So I'm just glad it's over with. So to watch that <laughs> off. We, yeah, I yeah, started definitely. Com- did you have to definitely shower after that one? One hundred percent. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> oh my god, it was just it was so uncomfortable. Um, but on, I have an important follow up question. Yes. What was your uh, show that you watched after that before you went to bed? Because you can't go to bed right after one of those. Right. So to wash that off, besides like the soap and water and everything, was uh, I started uh, Community over again. Uh, and, awesome. Um, and I've gotten through that. So I've never watched. Like in my assumption is based on the context right now. I'm on the final season because it's just so out there. <laughs> like every episode, it feels like. Um, but I'm not exactly sure. But I think I'm on episode or season like what four or five. Uh, but the first uh, three seasons are just so great. Yeah, I actually never finished it. I think I think I'm somewhere in season three or four as well, and just uh, forgot to keep up with it. You know. I should go back. Yeah, and Chris, you said you just went or you just started watching it too. Is that is that like on Netflix or what is that streaming on? Yeah, it is on Netflix. Um, yeah, I think I got about. Um, yeah, I think I roughly got into like, I don't know, maybe half of season two, um, and then with the move and everything, we just kind of like things pause, and then I haven't started it back up. Um, but I don't know, like. I'm also trying to like figure out something to watch with uh, my wife, which she's not a huge uh, movie or TV person, but we started then just recently watching the, uh, the last dance, the Michael Jordan stuff, um, which I think so is good. really interesting. Um, yeah. It's super interesting. So I just need to, to find time to get back into community, but I really enjoyed um, what I saw. And I thought like, um, I don't know. I thought it was really funny, clever writing, um, I love the the throwback to different movies and stuff. It was yeah, a super fun show. All right, yeah. Um, I know last time we got together, I said I was watching the series uh, Perry Mason on HBO. Really, really good. I think they just got 
green light for season two. Excited for that. I definitely recommend that. Then also started Insecure on HBO as well. Just running through the HBO series um, brought to you by HBO, which is I think we went through like a season and a half of that already. It's just really nice. It's really good. Great drama. Um, pretty funny at times, too. And each episode is thinking about 20, 22 minutes. So it's kind of like a perfect kind of right before bed. It's not like too serious to where it's, you know, going to interrupt your sleep. But definitely recommend that. Recommend that. Check that out. And then, of course, I always have a animated uh, series to uh, talk about. Uh, this is another new one. It's called Infinity Train. Again, it's another Cartoon Network original and it's really cool it's 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 like if you take stranger things and cross it with maybe like doctor who it and like or maybe like more like red dwarf like really nerdy like sci-fi stuff and give it like a little sprinkle of uh, uh what's that movie about the train that goes around the earth that post-apocalyptic film snow piercer snow piercer yeah with a little dash of snow piercer really Does- good i mean really cool that's some it's kind of funny and just kind of some random i kind of started watching it with uh, my kids so definitely recommend that but let's go on to the topic of the week inception written and directed by christopher nolan uh as always chris do you want to go through some of the box office numbers here yeah for sure so box office so it had a budget of 160 million it ended up grossing eight hundred twenty nine point nine million. It released on July sixteenth of twenty ten. It has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of eighty seven percent and an audience score of ninety one. It has a eight point eight on IMDb and a four point one average rating on Letterbox. It grossed a lot of money. Yeah, this is a huge film. Again, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Music by Hans Zimmer and. A pretty awesome cast too for this film. You had DiCaprio, uh, JGL, uh, Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, Cillian Murphy, Tom Berenger from he was in uh, Platoon, I think, and uh, the classic Michael Caine. Uh, so let's dive right in. Who has everyone seen this movie before? Jumping into this this episode. Yeah, for once. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at least once. Many. Did everyone see it like around the time of release in theaters or not see, be not able to see it in a theater? No, I totally saw it in the theater. I, I'm almost positive I saw it. IMAX, maybe. Like, I'd have to. This is like right when like IMAX movies started being like more mainstream movies. Yeah. Because this is the same year as Avatar. Uh, so, like, as far really? as like, big okay. budget films coming wow. out. Yeah, that's it's right. Great IMAX year. Yeah, I saw Avatar. Yeah, this will surprise you, but I've never seen Avatar. No, it doesn't surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Although from somebody who says love all things sci-fi and fantasy, what is your problem? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll uh, correct that for next episode. Um, Best. (laughs) <laughs> love something I, sci-fi and fantasy this is a, a rare instance of a film that i saw multiple times in the theater when it was uh released so i think uh specifically um leonard our german friend chris and i's friend uh 
he was in town when this was in the theater still and he wanted to see it without like the dubbing or any of the subtitles because he spoke english just fine so i think i went and sat with him too so that was pretty awesome nice we had the opposite experience i i saw it once in the theater and i didn't see it again until i just rewatched it oh wow so why don't we start with you jamie like why don't we talk about like your first impressions that you remember when you saw it in the theater, then your feelings about it, like coming back to it 10 years later. Which will be yes. great because, Jamie, you always steal everyone else's ideas because you always talk last. Yep, Jamie, you're going first. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, yeah, I saw this, let's see, 2010. I would have been probably this. When did this come out? Do you guys know? 10 years ago, 2010. 2010, July 16th. It's right here. So summer summer is what I was at. July 16th, 2010. So summer, middle of college um, for me. And it must have been, yeah, so I would have been in California visiting my family there and working. So that's probably why I only saw it once um, because I was working, didn't see a lot of movies out there, but I knew this was a big one. And um, I just remember being completely... Uh, blown away as i think most people were that seems to be the general consensus of the film but um yeah it was almost like and i don't think i've really experienced experienced it since i saw get out in the theater but with that group that just group collective sense of like oh my god like a very enthusiastic active audience with every twist and um the ending which i'm sure we'll get to later i just remember the collective holding of everyone's breath and then the release of like, oh, oh my God, what happened? Um, I, you know, from every corner of the theater. So I just remember nothing but a very cool theater experience thinking about it over and over in my head. And I bought the movie. I don't know why it took me 10 years to revisit it. I just I knew it was great. I loved it. I just never got back around to it. So, yeah, that was my experience. So what was your experience going back to it? Oh, going back to it. I, I loved it just as much as I did the first time. I, I, I knew it was a great movie, but it's it was such a treat to rewatch and just be um, in it completely. And, you know, I, I don't know why I thought it would fade or age badly, but it was pure enjoyment when I was watching it. Like I turned to my wife several times and said, I, this movie is amazing. And that's all I have to say about that. It, yeah. Just a lot of fun. Take Chris. I'm, I'm really curious about uh, your first experience with this film and going back to it and how, um, yeah, the gap so, there was between first and this viewing. Yeah, same with Jamie. Um, I saw it in the theater and I haven't seen it since. So this was my first time watching it since. Um, I remember really liking it in the theater. Um, I thought that it was a really interesting idea. It was super, super unique. So yeah, this is the first time that I've seen it since. I remember really liking it when I went to see it in the theater afterwards. I thought it was a really unique story. It was a really, I thought, you know, one of the things they did really well is that it was a really complex idea that they did a really nice job walking you through it. So it was easy to follow, follow along and kind of understand the premise and the idea of what it is of sharing dreams and those kind of things. And they still left you a lot of opportunity to fill in your own gaps or to, to decide what you want or leave the cliffhangers, which I thought was really fun. I remember that this was one of the movies that I distinctly remember, you know, having one of those endings where it doesn't really identify, like it doesn't provide you a an ending that's kind of tied up in a, a neat little, you know, knot or bow that it gives you a lot of opportunity to decide for yourself what that 
what that ending meant, which I thought was really fun. Uh, the cast in this is incredible. You know, you can never go go wrong with my in my opinion with with Leonardo or or even you know Tom Hardy. It was really fun um, to realize you know to go back to this and then remember, oh man, like they were in the Revenant together and they did a really great job um, to then see this and be like, oh yeah, they were in this together. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, watching it again, um, I actually ended up having to, uh, to watch this and kind of starts and stops. And I actually ended up watching like the beginning 30 or, or 40 minutes, like two or three times, but I, I just, really enjoyed the watch i thought it was really again super interesting to have not seen it in some time it was super fun just to go back and and kind of have that story retold and yeah i i just think it's a great movie it's a super interesting unique movie and it's a lot of fun i'll uh, jump in with yeah so i saw this in the theater and it just this was definitely like the epitome of a movie that you needed to see in the theater uh for me like the the special effects, just every the story, the acting, everything about it just screamed like giant blockbuster that you needed to go experience this. So that's why I like and I'm almost positive I went and saw it in IMAX. And if I actually remember correctly, I think I just saw it in I just saw it at the theater normally and needed to see it again. And then once I found somebody else who was interested or hadn't seen it yet, then we went to the IMAX uh and saw it. So this is probably the first time I've watched this and I don't know. I'll just ballpark five plus years um, with it. And I was really hoping that this summer, because it is the 10th anniversary, I heard it was going to be released back in theater. So I was all excited to go to IMAX and actually watch it again. Uh, and it, it, I think it is coming out as theaters are reopening now. Uh, but of course for this, I watched it at home and I'm like, I guess I don't need to spend the 15 or 20 bucks to go see it since I just watched it. But I was, uh, I was kind of looking forward to that moment again to go see it in the theater. Cause I thought that would have been kind of cool. And then with uh, Chris Nolan, just as a director, like I, the like he's won for me so many times on like, but you know from Memento on, like and then Prestige and the Batman movies that I was like excited about this film, but this one was like right after Dark Knight, where I'm sure maybe the hype for this movie was even a bit bigger than any of his other films, just because uh, everybody just felt like he crushed that movie so hard, and I think he it paid off, like all right, like just the movie itself pays off to like oh he's still brilliant or whatever it is, you know, uh, so. I don't know. I, I really enjoy this movie and all the reasons even Chris said, just from the actors on, like every actor has its own, their own little uh, piece to the movie um, that they bring. And I think that all the uh, practical effects in it, like it just is really, really cool on how they did everything. It just makes you want to see it again and try to like, even just with the storyline, like, like what is real, what isn't. This is definitely one of those movies where you can kind of have like conversations with your friends about like, what do you think really happened? I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit here, but I don't know, Jamie, just kidding. Casey, what do you think? Well, so I obviously, I don't know, I got to tell the story of my Nolan fandom, I suppose, but um, I'd seen Batman Begins, that was pretty good. I missed prestige for some reason back when it came out but then after seeing dark knight that kind of solidified nolan like to me as yo when he makes something i'm gonna go see it so when inception came out that's why i saw that in the theaters and then again circumstantially i got to see it a second time with a foreign friend and then honestly i think i went a third time again just because another friend said something like oh i haven't seen it yet i'm going you want to go and so i just tagged along so i think i saw that maybe three times in the theaters um, but yeah, Nolan is in my mind, just one of, one of my favorite directors. He's someone that, uh, whenever, whatever he makes, I, I try to find a way to 
go see it in the theater. So I think I've seen most of his movies after that in the theaters. And that's rare for me because I really don't like seeing, I don't like leaving my house to go see a movie in the movie theater. I would rather watch it at home where I don't have to buy extra snacks. I can eat the snacks that I've already purchased at the grocery store. Uh, I can pause it to use the bathroom when I need to. And I don't have to find a babysitter because that's not super easy for us. So um, to get out to a movie theater is actually pretty rare. And But we'll probably try to make an effort to do that to go see Tenet because uh, I like everything Nolan makes. So, Yeah, I'm there with you. Um, yeah, I remember like just waiting and waiting, trying to find time to go see this film after it released. I think I saw it maybe three weeks after it finally released in and, and theaters and i just remember like everyone around me just talking about it and just trying to like cover my ears i'm just like no no and seemed like any chance that i had to go see this film like something would come up where i couldn't go so i just remember the experience being awesome in the theater and yeah i just i remember buying the the blu-ray right away when it was re- um came out on home dvd and just i don't think i watched it for a long time i maybe saw it um actually i did i take that back but yeah like i think at the surface of this film like if it wasn't a nolan film and like just kind of like the idea of like a heist film and um the super like star-studded cast is is it typically like a movie kind of generically written out like that that i would probably go to but again it's nolan it's awesome storytelling the the cast is big it's huge but like the actors don't they don't take away from each other they complement each other if anything. yes exactly they're actually playing into their characters very well so that's not distracting um the story is fun i remember like i always like these types of films too i, I usually kind of just get lost in the story and something like this i can kind of like, i remember seeing the theater like remember like thinking that the with some, like when they're in the los angeles part of the dream like towards the end of the film I was like oh i like forgot that that part was a dream too and this is a really fun movie and like a rare movie too it's it's like two and a half hours long but which typically i would say is too long for a movie but the movie goes by really fast it's super fun to watch uh, it's kind of one of those movies too it's like if you start it like you have to finish it or you can like you'll have to jump back in and watch it and finish it right away i think for this ep- episode of the podcast i ended up watching it three times total watched it once like all the way through the other two times i kind of piecemealed it which is great some other things i want to get to later about how i was actually finally able to piece some things together for the first time that i didn't in the previous viewings but but i'll stop there we'll get past our first reactions so we can move on to the next topics here is who just did somebody just throw in this question yeah <laughs> Why did, I did james Chad. oh well, because we didn't, I don't think we covered it in Memento, James. You kind of were hinting at it, but I was just wondering why you picked Nolan. Because you picked Nolan, right? I did pick Nolan. Yeah. I was uh, flirting with a couple different ideas of um, directors. Like I was thinking, like, oh, do we go back to like Lawrence of Arabia style and like uh, try to do some like old school movies and get that going? And then I don't know. I th- like we the more like I think we were bantering about different Nolan movies. I was like, you know, what? this could be a lot of fun where we could bring maybe more dialogue to it and. With Nolan, kind of in the same fashion that Casey said, like after like three of his movies or so, I think I was bought in where just like I, you know, Tenet coming out, I'm excited. Like even if the preview looked kind of bad, I know I'm going to go see it. it would, or in, I'm sorry, I'm not saying the preview looked bad at all. I've chosen to not watch a lot of previews about it because I know for a fact I'm just going to see it regardless. So I kind of want to go in blind. But he's just become one of those storytellers for me. Yeah, like Casey said, it's like it's a Nolan movie. You have to go see it. 
So I don't know. I haven't seen a, a Nolan movie that's disappointed me yet. I think his my most disappointing Nolan film is uh, Memento. <laughs> but actually, what I did want to jump into for topic right away is the uh, practical effects, special effects in this film. So, Chris, you were saying that you were surprised that I like this film because of the amount of CGI in it. But I think you were surprised to find out that a lot of the effects in this movie are not CGI. Yeah, I didn't do any research, so I just figured that they were all CGI. But yeah, that's surprising. It looks really good for being practical. Yeah, my understanding with Nolan is he doesn't like doing a lot of CGI. He tries to go as practical as he can. Even with Interstellar, he tried to do everything he could not to do CGI stuff, is my understanding. Yeah, I saw he didn't use any green screens on Interstellar. So everything was built on a set. I mean, not saying that he didn't use any like CGI, but everything was a set and they would like add stuff. He always likes using like the computer effects to kind of add to a scene to capture all that in, in the shot. So there's some really good like YouTube videos out there, too, about like um, the set. Well, they built like two separate sets for the the awesome hallway fight scene, which is like a giant rotating cylinder that has like the hallway built into it and he was he got the idea from the same kind of set that they use for the 2001 a space odyssey for the space station scene i guess so they kind of use the same idea for the rotating cylinder to create that hallway effect but yeah then i i see was it jamie post that too about the stairs the primrose stairs effect where they use like the camera angle to look like the the effect of the infinity stairs yeah, um, yeah, that was on the... Did, do you guys have the DVD? Did you guys see the 10 minutes of extra footage? Is that what we're talking about? Or special effects? Yes. Special effects, special yeah. features. Okay. Yeah, it was. they were talking about the stairs and how it was essentially a math problem where they had to figure out the angle of the camera relative to the height of the stairs while shooting it so the scaffolding is out of the bottom of the picture or something like that. It was kind of blowing my mind a little bit more than the movie because math... Has that effect on me? <laughs> yeah, then they did, like, in, in post, they, you know, they went in and they edited out, like, the scaffolding for the steps, but to give that effect, but everything else around it was built for that scene. And I think, for me personally, that that kind of gets turned off from, like, movies that are heavily CGI, where I think Nolan does a great job of just using that to blend everything in and just kind of use it uses it as what just like a kind of tool to kind of i can't help remember how he puts it but finds real trains drives them through los angeles yeah which is like they built like a uh the exterior of like the the train engine and built it around like a semi-trailer or a semi-truck with an extended trailer or tail whatever that i can't i don't know my truck terminology but they did that and they attached each car or on semi trailers too. Then they just did the effect of like the train ripping up the pavement. That was all done CGI, but the actual train running through the streets was all built for the shot. What that was another awesome scene. Um, the the part where like the streets of Paris rolls on rolls over and like flips upon itself was really cool. Um, how they did that. Um, the exploding cafe scene where like they did like a lot of that stuff blowing out of the cafe was all practical, but then they just added some like additional 
like CGI explosions and pops to the scene, but most of that was practical as well. Then for like the the snow for- fortress part, which um, I like to call the Metal Gear Solid Outer Haven scene. If you were ever a fan of that game or ever played that, yeah, I think uh, the what I've read recently or about that uh, was that uh, Nolan kind of based that off of like a James Bond movie, like what he would depict. But yeah, so like that that entire fortress too was built on set in Canada. Then I think when they did some of the demolition part, they actually blew that up. Then they did like a miniature, like when they were back in Los Angeles, which is like a couple stories tall and blew that one up as well. So again, it's awesome. Just like melding of like practical and just limited use of uh, CGI where it was needed. I think that really like help helps with like the impact of the film too. I think even though like they're going in the dream worlds and it's not as distracting for me where I find elements like that can be distracting if it's like, you know, like a, newer like marvel film where i feel like so much of it is done cgi a lot of that work is done in post but speaking of like the dream world so like another thing that i was reading about this like kind of gearing up for the watching the movie uh, was it said on imdb in effort to combat confusion television broadcasts in japan included text in the upper left corner of the screen to remind viewers which level of the dream a specific scene was taking place why, why would you need that? <laughs> Boo, that's no fun. That's I half mean, the game. I just thought, yeah. I was like, wait, what? I, I read that and I was like, why would you do that? And like, uh, like, oh, why would one country do it? And why and not it, if it wasn't involved in everybody's do- movie experience? It's just confusing to me why that would be a choice. I don't know if it was something that would be lost in translation. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe. I guess I'm not sure. <laughs> In case I'm interested to hear, how did the machine work again? I really have no idea. It is it's fascinating to me because it, do they just plug the one thing into their veins? It so, appears like it goes yeah right into their wrists, and that's the only connection between yeah, them all. So I guess maybe just the mix of chemicals. I don't know. There's is, there's not blood going back into the machine, so I don't know how they link people into the shared dream, or is it because you're the the concoction that you're all being fed puts you in the same dream frequency or something uh, that you just kind of merge? And how how do they decide whose dream you're in? And what do the numbers mean? I don't understand the numbers on that machine. They they kicked themselves out of every dream, but why was there a countdown timer on all of those? Would they have just come back out without the kick? Is the kick just to come out early? <laughs> Someone answer my questions, damn it. <laughs> These are part of the many unanswered questions. I had one that was unanswered, but Chad yeah. answered it, so maybe you want to answer it live on the pod. Because my other question that I wasn't sure about, because my wife asked as well as we watched, after you know, he's in his dream apartment with his dead fake wife, and Ellen Page totally yeets off the side of the building to kick out, He, the next time you see him, he's washing up on the shore and gets picked up by uh, Saito's, like fake dream temple guard people how did he get there how did he get in the water so because after he leaves this place he says he has to search for saito in limbo because saito died too a couple of dream levels back so when you die in that dream you get you go straight to limbo so he was going to search for uh saito limbo limbo and i think 
I can't remember if it says how many years he's been searching for him, but like then there's like a huge passage of time before we get to that next scene. Um, so right. it's like it's him the only kinda... one that's out of sequence, right? In the whole movie. Yeah, because you get that at the very beginning of the movie. That scene, he washes up on the beach at the beginning of the film. He goes into that that castle where Saito is, and he's the old man. Then in middle conversation, it like switches, goes back, I guess. In goes time. back to like but, where they met and yes. like how the how the story kind of begins. Yeah. So there's a passage of time there, Casey, of when he says he has to go search for Saito. Then there's a huge passage of time before we see him in that castle where he gets captured. Yeah. And that's the that's same the, scene from the, the beginning. That's the realization I didn't have that that could have been like decades. Right. And that's the thing is like because that's where he talks about with how long him and like when uh, Juno is asking him how long Maul and him were down there. And <laughs> how long have you guys been building? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, we were there for decades. We built everything we could think of. And yeah, because he stuff. said he was there for 50 years with his wife and it was like five right, hours. Right, 50, 50 years. That's right. Yeah. Well, and that explained too I, why Leo didn't, he looked like he didn't remember why he was there when he was sitting there nomming on soup. <laughs> so that explains that he could have been like you know looking for a long time yeah and that's why they say like when you're in limbo like you forget that you're dreaming or yeah, something neverland like that. makes you forget yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's go over the questions of hey guys end of the movie is he dreaming still what's going on what's your thoughts here i know the answer the definitive answer but i'll let you guys talk first Oh, I'm interested you know to know your answer. Whoa. Yeah, I'm interested to know what the definitive answer and what you who, who's your source. <laughs> Tell me. Um, Read it on the internet, man. No, you, you know you guys can you put your theories out there first, and then I'll I'll give you the definitive source. Well, hey, I'll just I'll sh- I'll share my two cents here. I I for one don't really think it matters. I think the idea is he was able to see his his children's faces and he was able to be with them again. And I think at that moment, it doesn't matter whether he is still in the dream world or if he's awake. That's kind of my my interpretation and feeling on it. That that's why we get the cut, like regardless of it keeps spinning or not. That's that's moot point. Right. Counterpoint. Like, Go for it, James. No, you no, 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 Jamie. <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't want you. you stealing any ideas, Jamie. <laughs> Fair. So, counterpoint. I, I had that thought, Chad, but then I was thinking more that, um, you know, we're in this shared dream space where they're going back and forth, and you know, in each other's brains. And true for Cobb, it doesn't matter. But for his kids in the real world, it absolutely does, whether or not their dad actually came home. So for me, that's why I choose to believe that he did go back, because that's the one thing you don't see is the kids' faces. And while true, I guess he could trick his mind to think that he does see them, they do turn around. But I think that that's what tells you, other than maybe one other thing, that it might be real is that he actually does see his kids' faces this time. Well, Jamie, how long do you think Cobb was out of the U.S.? Like, he wasn't able to go home. Did they ever talk about that? Like, how long he was gone? Because those kids don't age in his dreams or when we see them in the end. 
That's a great point. So that's part of it. And then the next thing is like, is the real inception in Cobb's head? Like he got rid of the guilt of Maul and now he feels like he can move on with his life without her. And that's what he needs to be doing. And so now he can see his kids faces. Cause I think part of the movie, like one of those little like practical things that they talk about with Nolan's storytelling is like Cobb is wearing a wedding ring and like his, like it's now I'm going to reverse it, but it's like, he's wearing his ring when he's, uh, in the dream world uh, and mobs are balls around. And then he's not wearing it when he's in the real world uh, in the beginning. But when you get towards the end of all those dream sequences and even through the airport and everything, I was trying to pay attention. You don't see his hand. They don't really tell you one way or another in that, at least that I could tell. And again, I didn't rewatch it again to really focus on that detail. I was just trying to do my best with the first viewing. Uh, but that's where I'm like, okay, I feel like after, What's this like? It's a, what's the scene like? He tests out the drugs in that one um, area where everybody else is dreaming, which could also be a spinoff TV show of everybody else's Inception dream situations. Um, and he chose to spin his um, totem, and he doesn't get the opportunity. And then at the end, it just is doing its unlimited spin. Uh, like that's where I feel like okay, something happened there, and like yeah, Jamie, maybe we are in somebody else's dream at this point. I guess I don't know. Has your mind melted yet? Well, can I, so at the end, Michael Caine comes in, right? Like he's a part of that. Yeah. And so the thing that leads me to think that maybe he's still in the dream sequence is that didn't Cobb initially go to Michael Caine to be his architect and then he introduced him to Ellen Page's character? Like, no, I've got a better architect. Well, he wanted, didn't he, he was going to find... Did he run he Michael Caine's architect, or he went to student. for a suggestion? Yeah, because he, he t- Michael Caine's character like, yeah, teaches it, that yep, shit. Yep, yep. But for some is reason, is Michael so Caine's character Maul's dad? That's my impression. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because he is. says he says because Cobb says something about he says it's your grandkids, which is it's weird because he's English, yes. but Maul's French. But that's well, neither it, here nor there. Well, he's he, but he's he's a professor in France, so. And his mall's mom could be English. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do a little bit, but point taken. <laughs> That's what three and a half years of Trump gets you. <laughs> U.S. passport and you can't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but anyway, Chris, carry on. Well, no, I guess I was just thinking, you know, I had it in my head that he went to Michael Caine to... Um, to like have him be the architect. And for some reason I thought at some point in that the movie, they talked about him like showing him how it all works and like him being the, the one that like kind of taught him how to do that. I might be wrong, but basically I was just thinking that with Michael Caine's character coming back, like maybe he was the architect and he created the world for him. Um, You know, there's the, the whole conversation about Cobb doing like doing everything he says he's not supposed to. So he's creating, you know, creating the worlds to look like, you know, things that he has interacted with and those kind of things. So it just made me think that potentially that Michael Caine's character was doing it knowing that he wanted to see his kids. So, yeah, he was potentially still in a dream world. Can I, so just a general question before uh, Casey ruins all of our lives with the definitive truth. (laughs) Um, No, but like, so we talk about, they mentioned the totems in there, like where uh, JGL's got the loaded die and he's like, Oh no, you can't touch this. Like that, 
would defeat the purpose. Like only I know how this rolls. And Juno does her like chess piece and everything. <laughs> I love how and... you call Ellen Page. <laughs> Sorry, Ellen Page. My bad. Anyways, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shadow cat. No, <laughs> and um, yeah, no, just, uh, I'm just kind of curious. Like, so clearly the, the spinning top, that was Maul's totem. Right. Yeah. And then cop took it. So like at some point he clearly got it from real Maul. I get that. But also like, so what was Cobb's totem? Like, are we supposed to like anticipate that Maul was Cobb's totem? That's how he knew what was real somehow. Or like, like why did all of a sudden he just obtain her totem instead well this is okay this is kind of the part that was a little confusing for me like i was starting to see it as maul just like put her totem away because she because he says that line he says that twice in a movie he said the truth that she had once known uh she had chosen to forget so i I just think had the feeling that she was putting this totem locking it away in the safe right it's kind of like her way of of getting rid of it like in her dream world well dream world to make her feel like this dream that she wanted to live in forever was real right yes then like cop goes in and he i get the feeling he then just like takes it he steals it but no he spun it he spun he, which it right then, which then made her think this reality is not real i need to kill myself because it's a dream the problem was once she did that and came to the real world he in had incepted that idea in her on accident and so right. she thought that in the real world was still this a is dream not this is a dream i right. need to kill myself so she she would have been bubbling up through dreams until she finally died she was like ruined by his like uh accidental inception yeah that was the whole idea is like I know it's possible. I've done it before. And that's what he's speaking to. Right. Yeah. And I got all that, but like the idea then she's just not trusting her totem then, like if she is spinning it when she's actually awake or she just stopped using it, that's. They, you're right though, Chad, to that point, they, I guess they never show her like Cobb, like making sure that he's awake, like in that first or second sequence of dreams where he spins it, waits for it to fall. And he's got a gun ready to blow his brains out just in case. And they never, you never show that with Maul. Like you never see like her when he's like, describing when they got back to the real world and she sets up the apartment or the hotel room in that way. Do you never see her like confirming herself? You just see her shying or his, telling the story of her shying away from the kids and convinced that this is a dream world. Right. So you're right though. Like, so where is that totem in that she situation? Just, it was on the floor in the hotel room. He found it there. Did he not? Right. Oh, right. See, right. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you're right. There. So yeah, I think to her, I don't think she, because remember, she was incepted, right? Like mm-hmm. she, no matter what, she thought she was in a dream world. Right. So she probably just conformed, you know, rethought, oh, hey, the, well, the totem's broken because Cobb touched it. So now it'll, it won't really actually give me a, it won't spin forever anymore because something, he changed it. You know, well, she probably found some other excuse, much like. You know. She tried to spin it on carpet. It's not going to work like that. <laughs> like once you once you believe in something, you can find any reason to justify your beliefs. I mean, just look at all of the Trump supporters. <laughs> I'm That's so a... happy right now. <laughs> but back back to your That's... point, James. We we don't know what his totem is unless you subscribe to the ring theory, because the top is Maul's totem, which he then takes upon himself. But how that all plays in i guess is one of 
my still unanswered questions. All right, so ready for Casey's defense. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm ready to have my mind blown. I uh my kids went to sleep early enough, so I watched a couple YouTube videos, and, and I found one that actually uh, not only gives the definitive, but there's two other really good um, ways that, that kind of back it up. So I'll go with the two other clues first, and then the definitive will be the, the third one. Did you so get it, like, off actually, a QAnon post? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, w- I went and read through all the, the Twitter threads about uh, all the QAnon. <laughs> he said, where we no. go, all we go one, and he jumped out of the window. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, no, so ready. You guys, you were right on on most of them. So one of them is the wedding ring. Um, so any scene that he is wearing his ring is a dream, and they apparently in this clip that I saw, I could, you could see pretty clearly, but they do show enough angles where you can see that he's not wearing his ring when um, when he sees his kid in the end. The other really good thing that they brought up and they actually talk about, so I think it was obviously deliberate, but they mentioned that when you're in a dream, you never really remember how you get there. So like the, the act of getting to a place is kind of proof that, that you're not dreaming because you see the trail that you took to get there. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. They land on the plane. He goes through security. They get in the cab. He drives, they show his journey specifically to get back to that point again. Um, and so the, the final thing is apparently, um, Michael Caine, when he was reading the script and everything, he didn't know, you know, what, what care, who am I in this, in this scene? Am I in a dream? Am I a dream fragment of his or am I a real person? And, and Nolan confirmed to him at the time. And he like told someone in an interview later on that every single scene that he is in is reality. Michael Caine should not, as far as he's, as far as that theory goes or that he confirmed was that, um, every scene that he is in is not a based dream. reality. He's not in any dream yeah. scenes. Oh, so the so fact that he Michael picks Kane's him up the at the airport, <laughs> I, maybe he picked him up at the airport. He brought him back to the house. Um, so I think the top spinning was maybe just a, a red herring to to get people talking. But I think with those other three points, right, the whole you know with a dream, you you don't know how you get there, and they specifically show him getting there. Um, he doesn't just appear via some elevator like he did in the dream world. Like he he gets there via a normal logical, reality based way. I'll take it, Casey. So, boom, are you convinced? Is that is that good enough? Anyone buy it? Or yeah, I, I had read some of that too, and I, I I'm glad you brought brought that up because towards the end of the movie, when it shows him like he's getting off the plane and like when he's like checking his passport and he's kind of um, walking up to. Um, Michael Caine's character they, they he does these shots where it kind of shows like Leo he's just kind of looking around like he's you kind of get that sense that I mean he's like trying to like trace like oh yeah this is where I, this is where the, this is how I got here this is how I got here this is how I got here so yeah, that's a good point I like that yeah I like it I'll take that one um Jamie are are you okay did you think that too yeah I'm scooping my brain back into my skull but no i think i think casey laid it out pretty pretty solidly gosh i should watch more youtube videos like no don't thank me yeah i just literally watched a like five truth. minute youtube video to form that theory for me i'm just regurgitating <laughs> man but i thought it was interesting you know yeah. that's what i do when i when i really get into films is uh, if something the, the greatest example is inception when i watched that movie i spent probably two weeks interstellar plus, 
Yeah, sorry, Interstellar. When I, I was saw like, Interstellar. what? Yeah. what? <laughs> Tell me more about Inception. <laughs> bah. Bah, bah. No, when I watched Interstellar, I spent probably two plus weeks like looking up articles, reading into the science behind it, the actual physics behind some of the the things. Like, uh, yeah, I just get engrossed in it. And so, you know, after rewatching Inception, I had to go do a little bit of digging, and I found a video. While you're while you were explaining that and that me zoning out, I was looking at different trivia about the movie too. Did you know Kate Winslet? They asked her if she'd be interested in being Maul, and she turned it down because she didn't see herself being Maul. But how much would that have taken away from the movie? Yeah, probably wouldn't have been a good choice. Because I mean, <laughs> Chad only sees her as Rose. Yeah, for the Organic. the two minutes of movie that I've seen through movie clips and <laughs> trailers and. I will never watch Titanic. I can't help it. Every time that someone says Maul, I just want to say Darth Maul. <laughs> we almost went a whole episode without any Star Wars. <laughs> almost. Uh, so totems, Does has anyone ever thought what their totem would be? Do you have an object that you could keep with you and only you would know like that objects objects weight i don't but i would totally no i i have the best idea i would totally have it be a stupid fucking fidget spinner <laughs> that, that would be one of the, one of the sides of it felt a little wobbly You're right. had a different weight in it so like, <laughs> here i am like struggling with realities and i whip out a fucking fidget spinner <laughs> That's that, I think that's that's great. <laughs> that needs to be in the sequel, Inception Two, where you just like the you, you like you gotta have the dramatic scene where like you go to the bathroom, you're at the sink, then like you pull out the fidget spinner and you spin it, and you just like, like sweating profusely because I'm I don't know what's real and what isn't anymore. A bright pink fucking fidget spinner. Well, that's that's the thing. It'd be just the. It'd just be the weirdest things. Like it'd be like Jamie's would be like, "Oh, it's this yo-yo. Only this yo-yo. Like I can do like awesome. the cat's cradle and <laughs> yo-yo ball." Do you guys remember those? Yeah. Oh my god! Yo-yos yeah. Oh, for sure. Come back. <laughs> I used to have a fireball yo-yo, man. Oh, did that? There's your totem. Yeah. You, you. There it is. Jamie, Chris, Chris, do you have a totem? I mean, not really. I generally always have a guitar pick in my pocket, so it'd probably have to be something like that oh, where yeah. it was specific guitar pick. But no, I do. You, it would be like a thick or a, th- a medium or a hard medium or a thin. Well, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but you would you would have to manipulate it to be like. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to do something like I'd have to like have it probably a like a hard taken out or something. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> But otherwise, yeah, I, um, man, I don't, not into yo-yos or fidget spinners, so <laughs> I'm really gonna, for the really gotta, that is really a shame. <laughs> so Jamie, would uh, yours be the yo-yo? You know, I, I thought about that. I, the first thing that came to mind, I don't know why it would be like a Kennedy half dollar, but I feel like that's something that could be really easily copied. So... <laughs> yeah, I kind of had that same thought because my first when you posed this question, Jamie, the first thing I thought of was I have um, a silver dollar coin from 1926 that I got from my dad. And I figured like, oh, maybe because this is an old coin, it's out of print. You don't ever see him anymore unless it's at like a some kind of weird like 
collector show or flea market or and I was like, oh, Antiques wonderful. Roadshow. Antiques yeah. Roadshow, yeah. So I was like, oh, if I could, if I drill a hole in it. <laughs> there you go. So you're going 50 cent piece? <laughs> just, yeah, 50 I cent. got nothing better. 50, 50 cent. cent. He's, yeah. actually, he's going with the 50 cent the rapper. He's just going to have him <laughs> yeah. um, follow him around at all times. Let him know whether or not it's That's how he's going to throw off the weight of his yo-yo. He's going to have a 50 cent piece in the yo-yo. Ooh. Or if people just start shooting, this guy took like eight bullets, right? He'd just step in front of me. Just speaking of speaking <laughs> of shooting, something I caught I think it was like on the third time I watched this was in the beginning, one of the beginning scenes where like Leo's going through and he's like, has like the gun with the silencer and he's like popping off all these security guards where he's like shooting the gun with the silencer. And like, as the shells are flying in the air, he's catching them before they hit the ground. I, and then like catching the body and then catching the bodies yeah. down so they don't yeah. slam. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him catching the bodies and like him just being smooth that way. But I guess I did not catch him. He's catching like the bullet the casing. Yeah, it's, that's fun. that's that was really cool. That's sick. That's that makes me want to watch like the opening <laughs> sequence again. Yeah, I think for totems, like I don't know, I feel like it'd be absurd. Like if I reach in my pocket and I find throwing knives, then I know I'm still dreaming because that is not going to happen. Like the totem is like, all right, I'm good. There's nothing crazy as shit in my pockets. <laughs> like fifty cent. <laughs> What are those? What do they call the slammers? A pog? Oh slammer. my god! Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, like yeah. cop brings out a slammer, puts down <laughs> ten pogs, slams <laughs> it. Game. Oh my god! He's like seven land up face down, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm out. <laughs> I'm good." It didn't flip as many. I'm definitely dreaming. <laughs> yeah, he brings out, takes out a quarter in a shot glass, and bounces it in, and goes, "Oh, I'm good." <laughs> pogs. You get a, you get solo cups and you play a quick game of beer pong because you have a special ping pong ball that's weighted. That's your totem. Yeah, it sinks. Doesn't float. It, it only works when you throw into a solo cup, though. Right. <laughs> Did I peruse through different other movies this year? We went over it really briefly, but best picture this year was Hurt Locker, um, and uh, like other movies that came out this year was Scott Pilgrim, Tron, uh, The Fighter. I don't know. There's a, this is a good year for movies. Yeah, I do. I remember. Yeah, I remember catching a lot of these movies at the end of the year, like Black Swan. Yeah, Shutter Island, right? Same year at 2010. Yeah, another Leo one. Yeah. Inglorious Fighter. Bastards. Fighter was good. Or Jamie's favorite movie, Up. I do love <laughs> Up. That's I knew really it. True. Oh. You, I knew you. Yeah, it's a up. pretty good Titanic or Titanic. I, I said that as I see it. <laughs> I seen there's a movie Titanic two. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just I was I was going to say oh Winter's Bone and like there's a Titanic two next to it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that movie was like up for a sequel. Yeah, somebody please segue right now. <laughs> uh, there you go, Chris. One of you, Chris. One of your documentaries, <laughs> Exit Through the Gift Shop. Oh, I love oh, that yeah, one. The, I also uh, really loved uh, Scott Pilgrim, too. I thought that movie was great. Thanks. Yeah, it's a great movie. Oh, here's uh, this is your favorite, Jamie. Easy A. Oh, I love I Easy actually A. loved Easy A. I saw that movie Jamie. on Mushrooms. That was a fun time. Jamie, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Jamie, you maybe you might be the only person who loves Easy A with me. <laughs> oh, you love it, too? Oh, my God. So good. Oh, yes. Emma Stone's amazing. I like that director. He did uh, Friends with Benefits and Fired Up, also underrated. <laughs> Fired Up. See those. Explain. I saw Friends with Benefits. 
fired up. I think it's on Amazon right now, but it's it's a really bad comedy about two football jocks in high school that decide to try out for cheerleading because that's how they're going to get girls because they've done everything else amazing. And it's just oh my god. Yeah, no, but like the main uh, who's the main guy? It's uh, the guy that played young young Lloyd in Dumb and Dumber <laughs> or the the prequel Dumb and Dumber. Dumber and Dumber. Yeah, Dumb and Dumberer or whatever. Dumber, yeah. I don't know. It's really bad, but the humor is pretty crude, so it's just funny um, and quick-witted. All right, back to... Dude, I can't wait. <laughs> let's steer the ship back to Inception. Back to reality. <laughs> so, Snap, back to reality. Oh, that goes gravity. Oh, you're so mad that he... Yeah, you can use that. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll do uh, an eight-mile yeah, mine. I trademarked that. <laughs> I consent. Chris is two for two on, like, 2010s rappers for the episode. Just want to point that out. What was the first one? 50 Cent. Oh, I thought I... You're the... Okay, cool. Do you guys not know that I'm really into rap music? Yeah. I did not know that. I mean, I love you, are the, you are the one that loves everything dialogue. Yeah. Uh, some other topics. I just want to see if you guys had any input on that, but I started to like really like, this is probably like the second or third time again, watching this. I started like paying more attention of the, uh, the back and forth between Arthur and Eames. Like the, they're just kind of like always kind of like, there's this like little like competition or whatever going on between the both of them like arthur's like shooting out the window or whatever with like his his machine gun and like eames come over and he's like why don't you try something a little bigger and he has like the rocket launcher or grenade launcher and i Is love it? that because they specifically show arthur shooting a whole bunch and failing yeah like that's a long drawn yeah. out little part of the scene yeah just to illustrate eames walking up and grenade launching the whole thing like, what are you doing this is a dream right. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, that was kind of fun. Like, watch just kind of maybe next time you watch this movie, just pay attention to that. It was kind of entertaining. Their little little snips at each other, kind of barking back and fun. forth. Their banter, yeah. Um, Chad, fun fact for you was this is the last. Uh, this is the last cinematography that, or like, this movie won best uh, cinematography at the Oscars, and it was the last one to do it uh, shooting and film. Everything else has been digital since. Ah. Uh, that's just for you. It's a sad world. <laughs> there also is a cool video out there, too. I think I shared it with you guys. It's kind of Nolan ripping on Marvel movie production. <laughs> but um, uh, I saw you sent it, but I didn't look at it. Do you want to give me some cliff notes of what he doesn't like about it? Oh, his idea is like he tries to shoot, shoot as much in camera where, like, you know, you get these kind of big budget Marvel films. And, like, they – I think part of it is is, like, they're – they're there's so much crunch I think to get those movies out and how, how much of it is just done. Like it's on a studio and everything is like a giant green screen. And there's a lot of emotion that's lost in that versus trying to capture everything. And like with built sets and trying to give her, get everything in that shot instead of trying to just like shoot it and trying to fix it and post kind of thing. But Oh, so would you say he's not throwing away his shot? He's not throwing away his shot shot. I also had been reading some critiques about the Arthur and Ariande characters saying that they're only in the film, like for the like exposition and just like there to explain like the dreams and the level and et cetera, everything that's happening. I thought it worked well. I don't think it's like 
I kind of see how some people see this. I know I see this a lot in like network TV, like crime dramas. I don't know if you guys had any like feelings on these two characters, if they added or had taken away from the film at all. I think everybody added in their own way what was going on. Yeah. I think that it's actually for me, like there's a lot of characters in there where the movie's done really well. The movie is, it doesn't feel long, but it is two and a half hours, like you said. But I feel like there's so much more to explore with all the characters and what they brought to it, even with um, Ellen Page doing like the architecture of it and like what that looked like um, with her limited knowledge, just like what everybody, I don't know, just what everybody brought to the dreams, whether they're um, it, like they're inside one's head, like they're the architect or the other one is um, what Tom Hardy being like the, what they call that? The Not forger. The, the forger, just like, like uh, just uh, how they establish like where he's going to be in each sequence. And I don't know. It's just interesting where I feel like you could look at the logistics of it a lot further. But again, that would be, you don't want to watch that three and a half hour movie just because of that, I guess. Yeah. Would this have had made like a great, like 10 episode series? If you could like maybe dive into like these characters, like backgrounds a little bit more. I, I'm more I curious about like what the world is like, like how do we get here? Cause they talk about like, it was like this military project to use dreams to train soldiers. Then like how, it, like how, how does it, it, it gets out somehow. Then it's used by like these, these corporations and conglomerates to steal ideas. And now we get to the point of somebody wanted to like plant an idea to do something to actually like kind of destroy a conglomerate. So, right. I would, it could be, I, that, I would totally watch it as like a 10 part mini series where each episode was like background on a character. And then they do like a solid, like four episodes of building up to this heist. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone uh, read the comic book? That's supposed to be like the prequel to this. It was like the the Kobol project or the Kobol. I can't remember like the Kobol something. The, the thing that the, why <clears throat> the thing that Cobb messed up and why they can't go back. The Kobol job. No, I didn't even know that was. A it's thing. it just kind of sets up how they. It's it, it it's kind of a small story that sets up how they get to the point of where they end up with Saito at the beginning of the film and how they fuck up that job and the process of how they're getting information on Saito and how there was like a place and that place that they're in was like in Venezuela. And this was like a place to where he brought his, like his uh, lover because he was cheating on his, his wife. And so it's kind of cool. It just gives a little tiny background of the little bits and pieces adding up to it. So. Nothing like earth shattering, but you kind of do see a little bit more of the world though, because they um, somebody finds Saito at a like a dream. They call it like a dream arcade or something like that, to where he and Saito and this other guy they're kind of they're like battling in like a dream, kind of like a, a video game, which is really cool. Which be, I really would like to see kind of some exploration of that world, but which kind of reminds me of this book by Jeff Noon. It's called vert and it kind of is like a dreams where like they have like these feathers and they go into like a virtual um kind of reality world that's kind of like virtuality and a dream but there's parts of it where like somebody ends up bringing something out of the virtuality world into the real world and it like fucks everything up but very cool it's awesome kind of cyberpunkish type of book it's really short but it's really awesome so i recommend that if you want to cool read that's kind of 
along the same lines, but yeah, I'm just going through some of the stuff in the, the uh, document. So if you guys have anything else you want to talk about, just go right ahead. But also like Fisher too, too, like the idea that he was trained to defend himself from dream theft. I thought that was really cool. Is there any thoughts on like the pinwheel that was in his safe? Not about the pinwheel, but going I was back like, what are to... your thoughts? <laughs> right. But when Casey laid out what actually happens in this movie, I think just to further emphasize his evidence, aren't we in Fisher's dream? Like the last level, isn't that Fisher's dream? So it would make sense that he got out of it because otherwise they'd be asleep on the plane or still in Fisher's head. So I don't want to crack that case wide open, but no. So it's a shared dream. You can, anyone can wake up whenever they want, even if this, the like host doesn't wake up. I think what they showed in the first part of the film the first dream they were in with Saito when they were actually, oh, but no, that was the dream within a dream that they were within. Uh, they were in Arthur's head. Yeah. Because he was the host of the dream within a dream, but then he came out first and the dream started collapsing. So I guess if the host leaves the dream, I mean, if you're still there dreaming, it's just it starts to collapse on you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Man. See, this is where the numbers in the corner would make sense. <laughs> Answered. Uh, some other fun facts here. So the kick song, which is No Regrets, translated from French. I'm not going to try to say the French uh, name of the song, but that that's the song that they play when they start the begin the kick. Um, that song is two minutes and 28 seconds, and Nolan purposely made the film two hours and 28 minutes. I was gonna say that song is like, like, yeah, it's like so. Then the intro, the bomb, bomb, bomb from Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Supposedly that's that intro of that the horns of that song. Yeah, slowed. Yeah, super slowed down. Yeah. And then also in what was it, La Vienna Rose or Vienna Rose? Uh, that's her. Uh, Mall like played uh, the singer in that movie uh, that did that song. Fun fact. Well, we've been recording for. An hour is that? Is that everything we have to say about this movie? You didn't like so. my Batman note, Chad. I was just confused. You said in the middle of the Batman trilogy, <laughs> did, did you mean so, like yeah. half of the cast got a break from Inception while the other half were auditioning for Batman? So what? Or, what tickled me was that. So this came out after the Dark Knight, but before Dark Knight Rises. So we had Killian Murphy, Michael <laughs> Caine, and Ken Watanabe in the franchise, and then Gordon Levitt. Marion Cotillard and Tom Hardy like auditioning for Dark Knight Rises. So it was dropped right in the middle. We had seen half and then half were to come for the rest of the trilogy. So that just kind of tickled me when I was watching it this time through. And now, see, when you put it like that, it makes me think, man, Nolan, you're lazy. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I don't got time for casting calls. You know what? Let's just, you, you want in? You want to do this with me? All right. Do you guys have like cartoon characters in your dreams? Like, why wasn't there like a more weird sci-fi aspect that, to anybody's dream sequence? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, sure, they don't know how they got there. Oh, like, you know, the dream's collapsing. But there's never like all of a sudden like in your dream. When it like all of a sudden, I got saved by a dragon when I fell off that building. Like it was crazy. <laughs> no, okay. No. Just wanted to know. But if that's all else controlled by the anything. architect, though, right? That's yeah, I would say. I would say so, like the sequence would be. So I guess if they're trying to pull off a job, like their whole 
they're all trying to stay focused. I guess that's where Leo, like he can't be the architect because he does have things like mall and random things show up like trains. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, yeah, I guess they are doing it in their own way. They just don't get as off the beaten path as I would think. Like what the hell is a, like a centaur doing here? I don't know. <laughs> All right, but uh, I give it five out of five. <laughs> yeah, I would give this a five out of five too. This is this movie, I think, is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's super good. Same five <laughs> out of five. What did Lenny think of it? Did he think like three out of five, or however that is in German? Fünf out of fünf. Yeah, I agree with everybody. I thought it was really good. Great movie. Five out of five. Yeah, perfect. Five out of five. Same for me, too. Really. Jamie, what the hell? <laughs> Sorry. It's just that good. All right, before we go, we want to thank you for downloading this episode of Movie Time Machine and remind you that new episodes release on Fridays. You can also send us your questions, comments, and feedback to moviemachinepod at gmail.com. And also follow us on Twitter at moviemachinepod to get updates when new episodes drop. Thank you for listening and goodbye. See you. Bye. Adios.